Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Talking Your Way to Change. My name is Zan Banker, and I am the host of this show. I'm a licensed psychologist with 23 years of experience, and I'm excited to have this platform to educate others about mental health and psychotherapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Talking Your Way to Change. This is your host, Dr. Banker. I think a topic that we're all grappling with during this coronavirus pandemic is loneliness. The weekends are the hardest for me. I have this belief that I should be doing something fun, enriching, and social on the weekends. Previously, our family would schedule a fun outing or visit with family or friends. I tend to like to host social gatherings, like book clubs in particular. I really miss the community of my daughter's dance studio and fellow parents. I remember when I was younger, loneliness used to scare me, and I would desperately try to head it off with like manic efforts to schedule some social outing with a friend. Now I understand that it is part of what makes us human and serves a crucial function. Loneliness is more than an emotion. It is more like a state such as hunger or thirst. It is a signal to our bodies and minds that we are lacking something that we need for our survival, human connection. I tend to feel loneliness in my body like I'm wading through molasses. Although the antidote to loneliness is reaching out and connecting with others, how we socially interpret our loneliness influences whether we can actually do this. Shame tends to creep into the mix. It's very hard to reach out to others from a place of shame. Researchers have identified that loneliness often involves a terrible feeling of shame or failure, that we are responsible for being disconnected and alienated. We feel that we are inadequate in some central way or that our circumstance now is because of some actions that we had done in the past or have not done. This keeps us from reaching out and calling someone and saying, hey, I feel lonely today. We also know from studies about solitary confinement that inmates develop social anxiety after having been separated physically and socially from others. So what do we need to know about loneliness in the face of this pandemic? Firstly, that Americans were struggling with loneliness and isolation before the pandemic. Cigna, a global health service company, released results from a national survey that explored loneliness in the U.S. They found that approximately half of the Americans reported sometimes or always feeling alone. Stark, huh? One in four reported that they rarely or never feel as though people who, there are people who really understand them. Generation Z, ages 18 to 22, reported that they were the loneliest of all generations and they claimed to be in the worst health. Studies have found that being socially isolated increases the risk of death as much as 26%. Brigham Young University found in a longitudinal study 
that the frequency of human interaction can affect our health. They found that low social interactions can be compared to the damage caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day, having issues with alcohol, or not exercising. The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin found that strong social bonds are probably the most significant contributor to happiness. As a psychotherapist, you soon realize that helping clients address their social isolation can be a key factor in their treatment. Social isolation either is often a cause or symptom of mental health disorders. With many of our social activities shut down and sheltering in place, I'm reminded of a book I read a few years ago entitled, Friendships Don't Just Happen, The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Girlfriends by Shasta Nelson. Shasta Nelson makes a strong argument that we have five circles of friends, which she calls contact friends, common friends, confirmed friends, community friends, and committed friends, all on a spectrum, moving from left to right in terms of our level of intimacy, consistency, and frequency of contact. These connections might be thought of as the parents at our children's sports activities, or who you see in the parking lot at your child's school, yoga instructor, friends at the gym, baristas, hairstylists, dog park friends, church friends, she argues that these different types of contacts are essential and that our best friends don't just magically appear out of nowhere, that they often come from moving these contacts along the continuum and that we all need all kinds of relationships in order to thrive. We need all kinds of relationships to meet our need for community and combat what Murthy a past Surgeon General called in his book in 2020, our need for community to combat collective loneliness. Aside from helping us with our sense of belonging, Shasta also points out the pragmatic needs that are fulfilled in such links, such as these relationships provide us to links to what we need. They stimulate our interests. They give us ideas. They expand our view of normal. They lower the demands on our closest friends. They spur us to act outside of ourselves. It seems to me in this pandemic, what we are missing, what she calls our left-sided friends, which are people that we have less intimacy, but more frequency and consistency. In the next section, I'll explore some strategies to cope with loneliness. So what are the strategies to cope with loneliness? Number one, remove the shame. Loneliness is complex and painful. It is both a feeling and bodily experience. When you feel shame, reach out to someone and try to connect. If no one is available, or if you're feeling like I need to take a less active step, Visit something online. How about a social media group that has similar interests as you? Or perhaps you could audit a course in an area of interest. There are a lot of free online courses now being offered. You could tell yourself, 
Oh yeah, that's right. There are other people out there like me who like similar things. Two, watch an inspirational movie or read an inspirational book. Three, make a schedule every week for what social engagements you have coming up. Don't wait until you're in the molasses of loneliness. Four, sit with your loneliness for a time. Know that it has a beginning, it has a middle, and an end. It might also be a re-experiencing of past times of loneliness. For example, if you as a child were left to deal with trauma or pain and had to cope with it alone, you might now in this pandemic feel a heightened sense of loneliness. The difference is now you're an adult. Tell yourself that. Then take some actions to help address, alleviate, or soothe yourself. If these do not work and you feel like it is spiraling into depression or anxiety, seek mental health treatment. No, you're not alone in this struggle. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I need to alert you that this podcast is not meant to be a substitution for mental health treatment. Although we talk about psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. If listeners are interested in pursuing therapy, I would refer you to psychologytoday.com backslash US or your insurance carrier network. Okay, thanks again. Until next time.